Floyd moves on in, and he scores! What's happening, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Pod Street Bullies. My name is Derek. And I am John. What's going on, everybody? Uh, another week down when it comes back to returning to play for hockey not just hockey but for the flyers most importantly are you getting more and more excited as the august 2nd date i guess i shouldn't say august 2nd july what is it 28th they play the exhibition game against pittsburgh yeah but you can't watch it unless you have the special thingamabob that does the job hold up what it's like it's on nbc sports philly plus times two i don't know whatever the hell that like special thing you got to pay for is so you can watch it on like the the app the nbc sports app but i think you have to pay extra there's like a there's like a philly plus where you get like all these extra i don't know things well that's part of the channel package that i've got i'm pretty sure no i'm pretty sure you're wrong i think it's just for streaming purposes you checked my uh my cable bill last month yeah okay I, I think you. this is an internet thing, dude. I don't think it has anything to do with cable. I think it's like, you know how all those like cut the cord deals? Cut the cord! Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those deals. I'm Hopefully I'm wrong, but I think you're right by saying August 2nd. I just stepped on a dog toy. Um, so that's what that was. That was, yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't look, a fart. If anybody has access to that game and wants to share their information with us just for this game, we won't use it for any other purpose, I can't speak for John, but regardless, good don't feel free. You can uh, you know shoot us an email. You can shoot us a DM on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Sure, Find we'll sing us. a song about you on the next show. John will sing a song about you. Well, we could come up with one together. Oh, I'm not singing. Oh, well, you could. It might be cute. Ah, singing's not my shtick, you know. I know, but that's I'll all you, brother. Fine. <laughs> we could do a little duet. So, um, you you typically start this out with a story from the week, but if you're okay with this, I'd like to take the story. Fine. Sure. Spring that on me now. Why don't you? Reluctant. Did you have a story lined up? I always have a story lined up, man. Go for it. I'm just kidding anyway. <laughs> so, okay. You know how, I guess I tweeted this out the other night. You know how you always think about, you know, if my dog got a hold of this, if my dog got a hold of that, like what would happen? Mm. So that was our biggest thought. We have a dog. She's just over three years old. She's fast as hell. Like this dog is like the Usain Bolt of dogs. And we have just this small fenced in area. And I'm standing there waiting for her to do her business. And as I'm waiting, I see her jump into our bushes. And I'm thinking, like, what What are you doing? She does this all the time. Then I see her come out and she's got something in her mouth. Mm. And that's when my heart dropped. There apparently was a rabbit nest in our oh. bushes. And so now we know what happens when our dog gets a hold of something because... I didn't know this, but I picked that rabbit. I literally had to pick my dog up with the rabbit in its mouth, and then she dropped it. So I threw her and grabbed mm. the rabbit, scooped it up. Little bunny. I mean, just tiny. I'm Dead? Not yet. Mm. You just ruined the end of it. But Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I held it, and it's breathing, it's breathing, it's looking around, and I'm thinking like, okay, I'm trying to keep it, you know, tucked up and get inside, and all of a sudden it... There's poop everywhere. And I'm like, well, I know that's the last thing something does if it dies. I didn't realize this, but I guess our dog 
broke its back leg and the bone was sticking out. I'm not going to get any more oh. graphic than that. Dude, I had to, we live, we live next to a school um, mm-hmm. and their property line, our property line borders that school. So there's a bunch oh, of wow. pine trees. So I put the rabbit under a pine tree, came out this morning and it was gone. So yeah, figures as much. I'm assuming somebody made it a meal. Something made it a meal. Um, or maybe somebody, you never know. Here, here's my my singing for the week. It's the circle, <laughs> circle go, of life. Rabbit stew, rabbit stew. Oh, I didn't Did know I, that one. Rabbit stew. I'm making it up as we're going along here. No, but that was a very somber afternoon at the Bob House. Dude, it's tough, man. I, you know, my dog right now has never gotten anything to the point where it's like killed it. She's gotten a hold of a, a baby squirrel once, but the squirrel got out. She cornered an opossum one time, and that was terrifying. Ooh. But one of my old dogs at home, before it came to us, was a hunting dog. And used to get, like, woodchucks and stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't get rid of it unless it was handing it to you. Because it was like a hunting thing. It just want, So you always had to, like, get a glove and, like, pick the dead woodchuck out of its mouth. I had a cat that would do that with field mice and birds. Yeah. Oh God, gross. But well, good job from uh, Paisley though. Pop it or cherry, nice. Yeah. yeah now we live with the stone cold killer. Um, there you go. I take every chance I get to remind her of that when she's begging to go outside. But uh, now that we've gotten past the story part of Pod Street Bullies, we are going to get down to the hockey part, which really is what we're known for. We've got is some it? award. Uh, the stories we're pretty known for the singing, which reluctantly, you know, but we have some awards to discuss. We have nominations yep. that are official. We're not going to touch on the unofficial ones yet. We don't want to jinx it. I'm sure we'll get there eventually. We want to start out with one of the first awards announced. Elaine Vino has been nominated for the Jack Adams Trophy, the top head coach in all of the NHL. Him, John Tortorella, and Bruce Cassidy. Cassidy being with Boston, Tortorella obviously being with Columbus. Did I'll start this off, and I want to ask you: Did you see this nomination coming for AV? Yes, of course, of course. I mean, if he didn't get nominated, I I would have thought there would be something incredibly wrong with whoever puts this stuff together. I mean, I kind of think there is something incredibly wrong with most of these people, anyway. But <laughs> to me, he was hands down an obvious choice to at least be a finalist for this award. Absolutely. I agree 100%, and to be honest, I agree with the other two guys, too. I think Cassidy, when you've got a guy who's coaching the best team in the league, and Tortorella, a guy who's kept that team afloat after almost insurmountable, you know, propositions here, I think they got this one right. Yeah, and you know, I think this is an interesting award, too, because... I think sometimes you get lost in like the underdog stories, like teams that are accomplishing something that they shouldn't be. And a coach who's coaching a great team deserves just as much credit too. So it was nice to see Bruce Cassidy and not just another one where it was like, well, they faced, you know, turmoil. They're playing better than people expected. I mean, I think everybody expected the Bruins to be a good team, maybe not as good as they are right now, but he still gets credit for them being a great team. 
Absolutely, and I'm 100% happy about the fact that Mike Sullivan isn't taking up one of those spots. I know. <laughs> you know, the injuries, I, know. I get it, but come on, dude. The guy's in the conversation every single year, and this year right. really it didn't stand out to me like other years could have with him. So the three guys, I think they got it right. Percentage chance, maybe not even percentage, but your take on why – Vino deserves the Jack Adams award. And if you think he's going to take it home. So, I mean, I think he deserves it because this is a team that was swimming in mediocrity before he came. Okay. There were a lot of questions with the leadership on this team, the veterans on this team, whether or not they had what it took to bring this team to the next level. I just said team about 400 times. I apologize. Um, And he came in and he implemented his system and he, gave young players a chance and he held everybody accountable and look where they were before this crap happened, right? They were arguably the hottest team in the NHL, um, favorites to win the cup by some of those statistical models that people like to play around with. Um, he really just completely changed the culture of, of this organization from a on ice standpoint within a few months. And I think that if you can do that, right, you should deserve, I mean, you do deserve an opportunity to win the Jack Adams. He's done all the right things. He said all the right notes. He came in and was basically like, Hey, this is how I run my team. You're going to be a bleeping flyer or you're not. Everybody seemed to have bought into that. Everybody on the team went out, played well. Yeah, there were some slow starts. Maybe not everybody, you know, Giroux's not having his 100-point year, but that happened one time. He's still almost a point per game. Couturier's done great. Konechny blossomed, and he's playing phenomenal. The short amount of time that Lindblom was available and healthy, he was playing well also. Hart's played well. All across the board, Provorov's having a rebound season. Braun and Niskanen fit in pretty well. Niskanen especially... You got guys to buy into a system that was brand new, along with new players that they brought in that had no idea what to expect. So, in my opinion, that outweighs a lot of the credentials you could place with Cassidy and Tortorella. Again, though, being a Flyers fan, that's just kind of how I see it. Well, so my question for you is, does the fact that he had such a a stacked set of assistants with professional coaching resumes – does that work against him? The fact that he had a Terry and a Yo on his staff. I don't think it should. I think that you know, it, yeah, he has some say and he has some pull and as into you know who Chuck Fletcher were to bring in to help him. But at the same rate, he could have had this type of success with another coaching staff. He could have had it with just Joe Schmo from here or there. Or you know, it's one of those things where you can't fault him for having great coaches in place right you know but i mean i would imagine at least this is what i would do if i was voting is taking like that one thing that would prevent you from voting for that person and kind of matching it up with the rest of them and i think that that's the one thing that he's got going against him of course not saying that it should prevent him from winning the award but i do think it is the one thing that voters will consider um Really interesting, though, from readings and podcast listening that I've done, he doesn't seem to be the favorite amongst other analysts. 
I agree. I I agree with your sentiment here, and I'm pretty sure I know who you're gonna say is the favorite amongst those podcasts and writers. And if I'm correct in the assumption, I can't help but agree. So you're thinking Tortorella? Yeah. So it's interesting that I I heard two big arguments for both of them. Well, one big argument for each. I agree with the Tortorella to a certain extent, man, but I just want to say something. If we were in the regular playoffs, okay, eight teams, none of this play-in stuff, right? They would have been on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. Now, they had 12 more games to play. But in their last 10, they were 3-4-3. Three, and three. It's a very good chance that, you know, with that roster, maybe they, they slip or they were battling against the Toronto team. Mm-hmm. For the eighth seed, if he if they don't make the playoffs, he can't be coach of the year, can he? Like you said with Vino, what works against him, that's what works against Tortorella. But the fact remains that this is how this season is going to end. The right. playoffs have been expanded, and now they're the playoffs. So if you made it in, you're a playoff team. If you didn't, I know. cookies. But you're not technically a playoff team, I thought, if you don't win the play the play in round. Yeah, you know, you made it to the play in round. I personally, I view the play in round as part of the playoffs, just because it's you know it's going to be a playoff hockey atmosphere, obviously minus the fans. But again, that's going to work against Tortorella. Uh, but you also cannot discount the fact that he lost one of the best goalies in the league. He lost one of the best forwards in the league. A couple great forwards, to be honest. And look at what he's done. He's put his team in a position that they are competing, at least for the playoffs, no, I if that's get how you view it. No, I get it. And I, I love Tortorella, and I think he's a fantastic coach. And he, like you, was the coach that I wanted the Flyers to get if they decided to fire him. Yep. I just think, you know, when you're trying to... All, all three of these coaches could deserve this award when you're trying to kind of nitpick at why someone shouldn't to me that kind of stands out that you know what if they didn't make the playoffs what if they don't win the play-in round you know i i think it's it's a it's not enough you know like yeah you're playing better than people expected but you didn't you weren't a like a sure in playoff team yeah you're not a flyers you're not a bruins you know right i, I get that and at the same time for Bruce Cassidy, one of the things that I hear for him is his team got all the way to game seven of the Stanley Cup finals, lost, and still came back and had a phenomenal year. Mm-hmm. I get that storyline, but at the same time, I don't really. Now, I didn't really follow the Bruins offseason too much, but I think a lot of the main players were back, right? I believe so, yeah. Your Krejci's, so- Bergeron's, Marchand's. I understand getting all the way to game seven is, you know, so difficult and then losing it, I believe at home, correct? If I'm not mistaken, yes. It is deflating. But at the same time, to I don't know if that's like what gets him to win it in my mind. It's like they're Yeah. They're kind of playing like I would expect them to. My opinion on that is if you're gonna look at last season that should discount your opinion on it because this isn't about last season. Now, and you could say the same about Tortorella, well, yeah. sure. 
But like and the, AV, res- though. the like, results of last season, I should say. Like right, I don't no, I care it. if they lost Game Seven. I don't care if they won the Stanley Cup and now they're back and it's oh awesome story. They could repeat. Like that's wonderful. Sure, awesome, good for right. them. But like it should have no bearing on the voting um, for this season, in my opinion. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm biased, obviously, but I really do think that Vigneault should win this. I think that his team had the most question marks but produced the most results, if that makes sense. Like, there were a lot of question marks with Columbus, but but the results weren't as high. There weren't as many question marks with Boston, right? So I feel like he's got the, a good amount of – not really sure if this team was going to do it. Oh, but look, they did it kind of deal. You're right. Like you said, Tortorella's expectations were low. He obviously surpassed them, but not to the point where the Flyers surpassed those expectations. And as a result, Elaine Vigneault. Whatever the expectations were for Boston, I'm sure they were high. They met them because now they're the best team in the NHL. So it's like it's like hitting a bogey hitting par or hitting a birdie like av hit a birdie right. you know right and i think boston's yeah. kind of at par like bruce cassidy was at par if we're going to talk golf terms here <laughs> right yeah. now i don't golf I, I don't either i just know it because you know common knowledge you could say but i got you so in your mind and in my mind elaine vino worthy of the jack adams for I'm, sure Another debate that I think we talked about as well when we were describing some of the awards that the Flyers could be up for, whether it was coaches, players, Chuck Fletcher. Mm -hmm. This man and what he's done for this franchise cannot be ignored. We know what he's done, the moves that he's made, the people that he's brought in. It's been phenomenal, and it's paid off in spades up to this point. If we're going to compare and contrast, AV's been nominated for the Jack Adams. If Chuck Fletcher gets nominated for GM of the year, which one of those, and we've got to, we've got to pick one. This can't just be like, Oh, okay. they're both, you know, which guy is more deserving of the award that they'd be nominated for? Well, to me, it's the puppet master of it all. It's Chuck Fletcher, because if Chuck Fletcher doesn't decide to go with Vigno, we're not even having the Vigno conversation. You know, at the time, we're in an interesting time in the NHL because the trend and the hot thing to do is to hire somebody who doesn't necessarily have NHL coaching experience. You know, get the young, fresh guy. The, when we were talking about candidates for the um, Flyers job, there were a lot of people who were putting these obscure names that you had to Google to know who they were. Um, <laughs> and Chuck Fletcher stuck to what he felt was the right move. He not only got one veteran coach, but he got three of them to his staff. You know, people not, were knocking the idea of giving Kevin Hayes as much money as Chuck Fletcher did. And look how great it's worked out. Niskanen worked out. You know, everything he's done, Pitlick worked out. Yeah. You know, these little trades that he's made at the trade deadline – they didn't give up anything ridiculous. I mean, you had people who were going, oh, we're going to give up first round picks for, you know, somebody we're only going to keep for a little while. He gave peanuts for just these little gel guys. He, he had a lot of pressure coming in to completely turn this team around, and he's done everything that he needed to do. So to me, I don't know. I think it's like an obvious choice. 
Now, to play devil's advocate here, if we're going to talk about their roles, you know, Fletcher mm-hmm. puts the pieces in place right. to hopefully succeed. But can't you give the credit to Vino for making those pieces in place work the way they did? You know, but those pieces wouldn't be there if it wasn't for Chuck Fletcher. But they wouldn't have had the season that they had if Vino wouldn't have basically implemented the system that he did in which these players played really well in. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure, man. And I, and I don't think that like you can say that one had a successful season and the other one didn't. Mm-hmm. Like they both it, it was a perfect just a perfect year for the organiz, you know, the general manager and coaching side of the Flyers, which is something we're not really used to. You're right. Um but to me the big thing is like if there's no Chuck Fletcher making the decisions that he made, there's not Vino. There's not Hayes. Like I think about what if it was Hextall. True. Right? You know, like if it was somebody else, we wouldn't have had the people in place that made this team successful. It's the chicken or the egg theory here. Right. Right. Now, that being said, if we had to pick one, right, and it ended up being Vigneault, I'd be just as happy. Yeah. Either guy wins. You know, it's a win for us as fans, as analysts, as, you know, podcasters, whatever you want to call us. How about you, though? I'd have to go with what you said with Fletcher. I think that... You know, I like to play devil's advocate just to bring up, you know, the opposite side here and understand. But like you said, the pieces that he brought in place, and we cannot forget the fact that the negotiations between him and Sanheim, him and Konechny, him and Provorov, we got Konechny and Provorov on fantastic deals. Right. Sanheim on a two-year bridge deal worth three and a quarter million, I believe. Now, yeah, we're going to end up having to pay Sanheim here in another little over a year now. But we got him at a discounted rate. Now, Provorov got a little bit more than a lot of the other RFAs that were in his class, but we locked him up for a hell of a lot longer than a guy. Right. The I guy's believe. a workhorse. He is. The guy logs, I believe it's about 24 minutes a, a night, which is right. fantastic for a kid who's 20, what, 22 years old. Something like that. I can never keep track. He's young. You know, we know that. Right. But Fletcher, I think, is more deserving, and yeah, it's a tough. You know, who's more deserving of this award? Like, it's very difficult because they're both deserving. Again, like Definitely. you said, I'd be happy if either of them won. <coughs> Excuse me. Right. But yeah, I think Fletcher, if he's nominated, which I don't see a reason why he shouldn't be, I think he should get that nod over Vino. Right. Yeah. Now. I gotta wet my whistle here because obviously you heard me cough. Yeah, boy. Yeah, dude. I'll tell you what, and this is gonna be our shameless plug for the week. So, Liquid Hero supplied us with some seltzers. Um, yep. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but they make their own hard seltzers, and I'll be the first to tell you, I like seltzer water, like normal, non-alcoholic right. seltzer water. Not a big hard seltzer guy. You know, I was kind of, my wife loves them. She's, you know, I told her, I'm like, you can only have one because I need the others, you know, for <laughs> testing purposes, obviously. But dude, I'll tell you what, man, uh, you, what are you, you're drinking the passion fruit? Yeah, I'm drinking the passion fruit hard seltzer here from our boys at Liquid Hero. Dude. What do you think? I really like this. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke up your rear end here. 
But like, this is good. Like, I, I, you know, I don't know exactly what a passion fruit is. I've never been known to be the smartest man in the room. But that's what they used to call me, passion fruit, John yeah. Passion Fruit Gove. Yeah, uh, I bet, I bet. But but no, I seriously, if you go to your local beer distributor anywhere from Chambersburg out west to east of the Susquehanna. Here comes John's joke on the Susquehanna. East of the Susquehanna. <laughs> Check it out. Look for Liquid Hero in your beer distributor. If you don't see it, feel free to ask. You definitely want to give this a try here. Along with last week, we had clarif- clarification, I think. It clarification. Used be- clarific- it used to be cloudification, and they cleaned it up. It's not a hazy anymore. It's really mm. good. Um, we talked about that last week, obviously, but... If you're in the area as well, 50 East North Street in downtown York, Pennsylvania, small place, but they have, I think it's like anywhere from 8 to 12 beers on tap, including the hard seltzers, mixed drinks with local liquors as well, awesome stuff from these guys. Please, if you talk to them, if you go to the shop and you you know say, hey, I'm trying this, tell them about us, say, hey. We right. heard about Tom the Pod Street, Street Boys said you, yeah. Exactly. There's our shameless plug for the week. Go drink Liquid Hero. It's awesome stuff. I love it. Uh-huh. John yes, loves it. Yes, me too. Yeah. I found out a way to get John the beer. Let's not talk about it. We want to make sure it keeps happening. You're right. So anyways, we're going to move on here from our short little on. plug here. We're talking another award that a flyer has been nominated for. The Bill Masterton Trophy, Oscar Lindblom, has been nominated along with Stephen Johns and Bobby Ryan. We discussed this award at length a couple weeks ago and our take Mm -hmm. on what should happen here. And we've also prefaced this by saying it's a difficult award to really break down because you can't really just sit here and say, well, this guy deserves it or this guy deserves it over the other guy. It's, you know, there's qualifications for it, whether you deserve it or not. Like everybody deserves this award that's been nominated in my opinion. Everybody goes through their things and, you know, coming out on the other end is a phenomenal task all on its own. Yeah. You know, and Derek, I I don't want to cut you off or anything, but my opinion on this award has kind of changed a little bit since we talked. Okay. So in preparation for this podcast, I was trying to think of a, like somebody who should be awarded this. And I got to be honest with you. I think that if this is the one award that if you're nominated for it, you should win it. Like, there should just be three winners of the Masterton Memorial Trophy, in my mind. I I don't think it's fair to highlight three people who went through their own version of hell and came out the end and then go, but this person gets a little bit more credit for it. I, I, I struggle with trying to pick one over the other, and I don't think it's fair to have people pick one over the other. I think for this, if you're going to nominate three people, you just give them – they are the co-winners of this award. Like, you know, I mean I know that that, that fits into the everybody gets a trophy thing, but this is a whole different ballgame. This is a different kind of award, and these three people went through their own version of trials and tribulations, and – to me, you should just acknowledge those and not necessarily pick one. Well put. I Now that you've spun it that way, I definitely can agree with it. I think 
every team gets a, a nomination. Every team right. nominates somebody from their organization. And then you get down to a final three. Those three, I think, you know, how do you compare? How do you compare right. a guy like Steven Johns, who spent all of last year in a dark room, to my extent, uh, in my research with it, he was in a very dark place, and that's no pun yep. intended, obviously. Bobby Ryan battling alcoholism, I believe, uh, going yep. through rehab, coming back. His first game back, he had a damn hat trick. Like, that's yep. incredible stuff. Oscar Lindblom, we know his story. His battle with Ewing Sarcoma, he rang the bell just about a month ago. These guys, like you said, went through their own personal hell, and now they're on the other end. Give them all the trophy. I, you yeah. Know, I, participation trophies, all that talk be damned. You know, this is one of those things, like you said, that when you've been nominated and you get to the final three, you know what? Take your five minutes on stage and tell everybody, let everybody know how thankful you are and, you know, tell us about your journey because, and not ever since, but hearing Robin Leonard on stage a couple right. years back accept this award, it hits you, man. You know, whether you've dealt sure. with it personally or know somebody, that type of stuff hits you. And, you know, you can almost get a glimpse into the life and the struggle that they've had to overcome. And it's phenomenal stuff. It's really heartwarming. And, I mean, to me, right, you know, we talk about athletes and being idols and inspirations for people, right? All three of these people represent a certain group of people that could use a little bit of inspiration, you know, I think that all three of these stories deserve to be in the spotlight for people to who are going through something similar to look at that and go, hey, if they're able to fight it, I'm able to fight it. And I think that, again, this award is different than every other one. I don't think that there needs to be a winner. There just needs to be people who are recognized mm-hmm. for doing what they've done. So I don't know. I. I, I I just think that this is one you don't really sh- you shouldn't pick a winner for. If you get to the final three, you all win it. Yeah, I think like you said, the word that I think sticks out the most to me is recognition. Mm-hmm. Being able to recognize the people who struggled, went through hell and back, and now are on the other end, thriving. So right. you know, give it all to them. I I like it. I think that's a great idea. Now, that's not going to happen this year. It's not. And probably won't happen. So if you're the people voting for this, who do you think is going to come out on top of it? To me, it's got to be Bobby Ryan. And, you know, Flyers Hmm. fans who are passionate about the team might give me hell for it. And I rightfully so, I understand. But again, hard trophy to really say, well, this guy deserves it more. So just hear us out here for a second. We've explained this before about how the Ewing sarcoma diagnosis for Lindblom happened this year. He still has not returned to play. He has finished his treatment. The cancer is not gone yet, but the treatment is done. Let's clarify that. Bobby Ryan basically beat alcoholism, if you want, if, if that's how you want to put it. He struggled with it, rehabbed, came back all in one season. His path to redemption is all but complete. No slight on Steven Johns by any means. No. But Bobby Ryan's story, I think, is the type that you hear about when you watch those ESPN specials. You know, what is it, 30 for 30 or E60? You know, 
the struggle, the path to redemption, the actual redemption happened in front of our eyes this year with Bobby Ryan. And I think this would be the year to give him the award. Not to say Lynn Blom or Johns don't deserve it again. Right. Next year, I I think, is Lynn Blom's year. You're right. You know, and I think that with this one, again, there's no like real criteria for like who should win it. I, I think that the thing that's in people's minds, though, is the ringing of the bell right now. Oh, absolutely. You know, and considering kind of the the medical crisis the world is going through, Limblom's struggle fits more into that. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I've I've always said I think that Bobby Ryan would be the one to win this, but I've changed my mind, and I think that it is going to be Limblom. Mm-hmm. Just because I feel like it's probably a little bit more fresh in everybody's mind. Oh yeah. But again, I stick to it. I, you know, Limblom I believe will win, but I don't think anybody should win this. I think there should be three winners. When you think oh. about it too, if you want to delve into it a little deeper, like you said, the bell is fresh in your mind. Again, we don't have a ton of access to Ottawa media, but like, right. it seems like the Limblom story hit national sport sporting news. And right. was the center of attention for a while. So that's obviously going to play a part because it's easily accessible when you're looking up, you know, the feel-good stories of the NHL season. Right. That definitely works in his favor. Uh, you know, again, I could see, definitely could see Lindblom taking home this award. I think my pick would be Bobby Ryan just because trying to remain unbiased and the fact that the path is complete for him. For sure, Yeah. But, you know, hey, again, not going to be upset, and maybe this is the year they start the trend. Maybe the voters are listening to you right now, John. Maybe they're saying, you know what, this guy's got a great idea. Doubt it. But, hey, you know, hey, you never uh, know. I doubt it, too. But, no, <laughs> I'm all for it, man. I really think that this is the one, right? We're all breaking all sorts of trends. This is the one. It's like, let's let's change this up a little bit. Agreed. Let's be the change. Let's be the change. <laughs> All right, so that wraps up award talk here. We had, we might, I should say, we might have another award or two to talk about next week, depending on the nominations that are about to unfold. Well, regardless if the kid gets nominated or not, we're going to be talking about it. Because oh, if he absolutely. doesn't get nominated, I'll have a few things to say. Uh, you and me both, brother. But for now, we're going to put a cap on that, and we want to talk about a specific aspect to this return to play. Now, it was discussed with the phases, the injuries, and how they're going to be handled. It's a bit different, and by a bit, I mean it's pretty much completely different. What we're dealing with now is we all know how injuries worked in the yep. regular season, especially with Hextall, how everybody, it was a lower body injury or an upper body injury, never never knew exactly what it was. It could have been you know, as simple as, oh, he's got a, a bruise on his hand, or Oh yeah, his left leg's hanging there by a thread and, you know, right. he's going to need complete reconstructive surgery. We didn't know. Very vague. Right. Now, all the injuries and really any reason that somebody could miss playing time is being handled by the NHL. So what we're yep. getting is these press conferences from head coaches saying that they cannot discuss the nature of why this guy left the ice. Why that guy well, left the ice? There's one term. There's one term that's being used for everything. Exactly. There's no upper body, lower body injuries. It is unfit to play. Yeah. And it, I get it. It's true. You yeah. know, if you're injured, you are unfit to play. 
if you have coronavirus, you're unfit to play. But don't you want just a little bit more transparency on the NHL's behalf? So, so I really struggle with this because from a player standpoint, I totally get this because you don't you don't feel like your medical business is anybody else's business. And I think when it's physical things like upper body and lower body injuries, right? I think that that's one thing. But if you can specify that but not tell people that you have COVID, people are going to assume you have covid if they're not telling you it's a physical you know muscle or you know bone injury um so i get that but at the same point you get like well david pasternak is unfit to play well does he have did he break his ankle does he have covid does he you know have a headache like what's happening Mm -hmm. like i feel like it causes so much speculation that people don't keep to themselves, that it gives you so much chaos. I, I wish there was a better way of doing this. Now, this could be what the NHL wants. And I'll explain here in a second. But by designated by designating somebody as unfit to play, you drum up that speculation. So everybody's talking about it. You've got people that don't typically pay attention to hockey that are actually... In, engulfed in it and thinking, right? well, this star player has been designated unfit to play. It gives people something to talk about because we've had nothing to talk about over the past, what, two months now just about? Right. So I see what they're doing in that aspect. I don't agree with it because, again, speculation leads to rumors. Rumors are just that. They're rumors. We don't know right from wrong, true from untrue. It's a pain in the butt especially if it's happening to your team. Well, the thing is, man, I don't know if I agree with it or disagree with it. Like, there's parts of it I'm like, yeah, man, I totally get it. But then there's other parts where I'm like, oh, come on. Like, you got to give us more. The speculation part is BS, in my opinion. I think it's ridiculous to leave it up to, you know, us to discuss it and, you know, oh, does he have COVID? Does he not? Is he at, you know, what's he got? What's wrong with him? But, right. again, it's probably a better idea to have them handle it because, you know, think about the Nolan Patrick situation and how long everybody was left hanging thinking, well, what's wrong with him? You know, we don't know. <clears throat> Again, there will be speculation like that, but at the same rate, you'll probably know immediately. I mean, the way the reporters are for most teams, they do the digging and they get down to the story and what's going to, what's going on. But right. the initial speculation is enough to keep us intrigued and get us hooked so that, you know, they drag us along. Yeah, I wish there was a way for, like, coaches to provide a timeline at some point. So, like, I mean, I guess it would give things away, but even if they were like, well, he's week to week or, you know, oh, we we don't really we don't really foresee him coming back. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that giving something just a little vague, but a little bit more informative would be helpful. Yeah. But it's just a strange time because it's like if Claude Giroux doesn't take the ice and all of a sudden it's like, well, he's unfit to play. And and we don't know why. Like, we don't – that could completely change, you know, the the makeup of this team. And not that that's the important part. I'm just talking about it from a selfish fan slash podcaster standpoint. But it's it's a pretty interesting thing in my mind. 
No, you're absolutely right. You know, we're all going to be left in the dark, kind of, with these unfit to play designations and us being the inquisitive minds that we are and most people who follow this team or any team for that matter, we're going to want to know, you know, that's just how that's nature. That's, you know, how people are. We're nosy. And so it could lead to some interesting rumors being spread around and some interesting, uh, you know, prognostications, if you want to call them that. So Mm. it's got its positives. It's got its, negatives i i think that i still think it's a little weird that the nhl said we're gonna handle this don't worry about it but again you know like i've said multiple times before modern problems require modern (laughs) solutions well and i think that i actually think that this was probably a player request like when they were going through the cba and the return to play stuff this was like they were probably like no this needs to be how we handle it because we don't need our medical business, you know, being out there for everybody. That is true. I mean, you know, again, I, I hate harping on it, but like the Nolan Patrick situation, you think he wants all right. that stuff divulged in the media and being talked about 24-7? No, he doesn't. He wants his privacy, you know? Right. So I, I completely agree in that aspect of it. Yo, and to kind of switch gears a little bit, can you believe what happened to Rogers Center or Rogers Place or whatever it's called in Edmonton? Oh, good God. Oh, Hello, God. 2020. That was, yeah, that was rough, man. I I really hope they can get that arena back in shape by the time well, this Well, luckily they up. don't have to worry about people. That's true. I mean, as long as the ice is okay. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, and that actually brings up another part. Did you notice that the NBA is going to allow – players to watch the games so there's not going to be fans but the players can sit and watch other games i like that idea i really hope that the nhl does that too like these people have nothing else to do like they i think that'd be great they're gonna spend their time at the hotel or at the rink when they're playing so i mean why not just say hey right here's the slate of games if you want to go to it go to it sit this many seats apart but you know face masks whatever the mandates may be I like that. I mean, I my nerd's going to show here for a second, but like the WWE has adopted that along with AEW mm. where other wrestlers are watching right. the matches. So like it it's the closest thing we can come to a live crowd right now. Right. I mean, and I would pay good money to have the Flyers sit and watch a Pittsburgh Penguin game. That would be I that's the you only know? way you can get me to watch a Penguins game. Right. I mean, get like Konechny and Hayes mic'd up oh, for God. little sections. I mean, it'd be hilarious. That, yeah, that's HBO material right there. Yeah, and one more thing. I'm just doing this because I'm assuming we're we're going a little quick tonight. But I was watching um, I was watching the an expedition baseball game last night. Expedition, expedition, exhibition, expeditions. The car. Um, I know. Most of the time, I'm the smarter one. Anyway, uh, I was watching the Mets versus the Yankees yesterday, and they obviously have no fans. They have these little, like, cardboard cutouts of fans that, like, paid however much money to get their faces over there. But talk about a quiet sport that must be so awkward to play in front of nobody. Like, I give one team the upper hand in all of this, and it's the Miami Marlins because they're the only ones that are used to not playing in front of anybody. <laughs> Hey, don't slight the Orioles here. 
Uh, but it, it was bizarre, dude. And like when somebody would strike out, they would like ramp up the fake crowd music. And if I'm oh, yeah. the guy on the mound, I'm I'm laughing. Like, what the hell is that? I'm not gonna lie, dude. I I watched a a little bit of it, but I've been a part of little league games when I was like anywhere from five to fifteen that were louder than those games, even with the crowd noise. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It's te- really terrible. It'll be interesting to see what it's like for hockey because it's got to be hard to have the same intensity when you're knowing that you're playing in front of nobody. Yeah. That's, I mean, think of how many players say, like, oh, the fans played a big part. The fans were great. The fans right. were amazing tonight. Like, you're not going to get that anymore. And this is literally and, just the best team. And baseball is a quiet sport. Like, yes. Mitts, balls into mitts doesn't make a very loud noise. No. And, you, you know, know, the catcher, the pop of the catcher's mitt and the crack of the bats, but, like, how few and far between. It's not like hockey where it's right. constant skates on the ice. You know, sticks it in the park, off the post, things like that. Right. That, I mean, for baseball, they should probably just play music instead of having crowd noise. That'd be pretty interesting. I'd like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, we got anything else to talk about? I'm ready to play. Yeah, you know that one. Derek sang. Derek sang. I think that's like the second or third time I've sang tonight. You're rubbing off on me, and that's my cue. We've got to (laughs) go. So before it gets any worse, folks. John, I'm going to have you tell everybody where they can find us. Well, you can find us on your various podcast receptacles. Um, you can find us at I. No, it's not. What is it called? Apple Podcasts. There I was going to call go. it iTunes. Spotify. Stitcher. 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 Because there's one we're not on anymore, and I Spreaker. always want to say that. Spreaker, we're not on there anymore. But we're on the Anchor website thing if you're interested in that we're an iheart radio um but we are also at my favorite place it's a little dark it's a little twisted it's pod muncher and that's all i got to say today about the pod muncher because you know you keep plugging this every week and you try to come up with something else creative about it and i'm i need some new material on the old pod muncher but go there Uh, if you dare i lean on you for this type of stuff and you're really letting me down tonight I'm sorry. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Everybody has their off week. Right. But... This isn't my flu game. Sorry. Yeah. Well. All right, MJ. Anyways, you can find me on Twitter at PodStreetBob. John's got a new one. I don't know what it is. It's, yeah. So I had to, I'm, so I'm now doing other things too. So I have, uh, I had to change my Twitter handle to a boring John P. Gove. Shut up. Wow, what a letdown. You can find me there, though. It'll be great. Currently searching for a new co-host. Anyways, you can find us, the duo, at PodSTBullies. And I, again, for the 50th, 60th, whatever time, will leave you with a Let's Go Flyers. Eat poo, Derek. Bye now. Blow me. Blow me.